The following is a production of Different Brains. Visit us at differentbrains.org. Hi, I'm Dr. Hackey Reitman. Welcome to another episode of Exploring Different Brains. And today, we've got Clay Moyle with us. Clay is a boxing biographer, and his own brain is a little bit different, as you're going to be about to hear. He's a very interesting guy. Clay, welcome to differentbrains.org. Thank you, Hackey. It's good to be here. Well, you're a noted boxing historian. Tell us about some of the books you've written. I've written three biographies. Um, the first of those was about a fellow named Sam Langford, who was a contemporary of uh, Jack Johnson's in the early 1900s, and um, really interesting character. Uh, the second one is as a fellow who fought around the time of Jack Dempsey, and his name was Billy Miskey. And then finally, I uh, co-authored a third one with uh, the uh, nephew of um, Tony Zale, about Tony Zale, uh, middleweight champion in the late 30s and 1940s. Okay, why don't you introduce yourself better than I just did, too, so our audience knows more about you. Well, what would you like to know about me? Well, where'd you grow up? I, I grew up in the, uh, primarily in the Seattle area. My folks uh, moved over uh, to a, a smaller island called Bainbridge Island, which is about 30 minutes across uh, Puget Sound from, from Seattle. Uh, I'm living uh, closer to the Tacoma area these days. I'm 62 years old. And um, I've been in the transportation industry for approximately 42 years now. Uh, tell us about your company and what they do. Well, I work for an organization called the Carlisle Transportation Systems. And uh, we ship primarily to uh, Alaska. Um, we do, we're, we're a trucking company, but we also move a, a lot of our product uh, over the water via steamship and barge as well. So uh, we do a lot of, handle a lot of intrastate Alaska moves. Uh, many people are, are familiar with Carlisle from the show um, Ice Road Truckers. They were a, a, a prominent uh, uh, company on that show when it originated. All right, now we are differentbrains.org and tell us about why your brain is different and how that transpired. Um, it's about three and a half years ago now. I was uh, things were going along smoothly, sailing along, no issues, um, and uh, I, I fell off a uh, a step ladder. I was probably about eight feet in the air and uh, picking apples of all things. Went to reach for one and um, overextended myself, and ladder went one way and I went the other way, and uh, I very quickly reached out and tried to break my fall by grabbing onto a small branch, which immediately broke. And um, I, I, I was told I was out for about nine minutes. Uh, but my first memory is some three or four hours later when I found myself um, uh, lying in a hospital bed. Um, so that those three or four hours are gone forever. Um, I spent the night in the hospital. Um, somewhere during the middle of the night, I got out of bed and went to the, the restroom and looked in the mirror and I, I saw two heads looking back at me. So, um, you know, right away, uh, what I discovered was that uh, I had some visual issues uh, that were going to last it, it, as it occurred for over the course of the next year. Um, I had uh, 
some blurred and uh, double vision in various gazes for the next year as I uh, worked with a uh, vision therapist to try to help me resolve a number of those. And initially, I was so um, hyper-focused on the, on the visual challenges that uh, uh, although I, I, I learned right away that I had suffered uh, what they termed a, uh, uh, a mild concussion or a mild traumatic brain injury, um, and that, uh, you know, they told me it would probably be about six months time to, to recover from that. Um, you know, I, I really didn't give that a whole lot of thought at the time because I, I thought that, uh, you know, I, I initially I thought I was feeling pretty, pretty normal other than my visual challenges. I, I would quickly come to realize that, uh, over the ensuing weeks that, uh, that was, uh, far from the case <laughs> and, and those around me could immediately see that that was also far from the case, especially my wife children. Um, anyway, so that's, uh, you know, I, I had no clue <laughs> what, uh, what it was like to deal with a, with a serious concussion. Um, you know, I, I quickly came to learn that, uh, there's a host of, uh, of symptoms that one can suffer from, uh, immediately afterward. And some of those, in fact, didn't even come until weeks or in some cases months, they were in different combinations along the way, things such as, uh, you know, extreme sensitivity to light. Um, I, I had a two or three months where I felt like I was walking around in, a, in what I could only describe at that time as a, as a thick fog 24-7. Um, you know, there was, there was confusion. I, was, I, I suffered from extreme fatigue uh, where, you know, I, when I did eventually go back to work too soon after three weeks, um, I found that, uh, you know, halfway through the day, I, I was toast. I was just completely exhausted. I, I'd go home and the first thing I'd do is climb into bed for an hour to try to you know, regain some energy to get me through the rest of the day. And what are some of the tools that worked for you to help you out of, these, out of this? Initially, the vision therapy uh, was extremely important. Um, you know, I, I, I got to see, I was referred to a, a neuro-optometrist in the local area um, and uh, because I also went to see an ophthalmologist at the time, and um, you know he diagnosed me with what they called a fourth cranial nerve palsy, and uh, he said that uh, you know 80% of the people uh, that resolves on its own within a matter of you know three to uh, four months, and um, if it didn't, then you know you would likely have to wear prism glasses the rest of your life. And but at the same time, I, I went to uh, have some some balance tested in, uh, at, that, at the hospital and they referred me to this uh, optometrist uh, uh, who, like, like I said, uh, was very good with vision therapy and was working with a lot of the folks in, the, in that hospital. Um, and I went to him and, and he immediately uh, tested me on a few different uh, exercises to see if um, my visual performance would actually improve after performing a few of those exercises and, and they did albeit slightly. So it was enough for him to uh, conclude that uh, it would be effective for him to work with me on these various exercises. And we, we did that over the course of the next, uh, the next year. Um, I will say when I first went back to work after three weeks, I, I was at a point where, uh, like I said, I had blurred and doubled vision in specific gazes. So when I drove to and from work, I had, I found that I had to tuck my chin into my chest and use an upward gaze 
uh, to avoid any form of blurriness while I was driving. Um, and that was the same at work. If I was standing across from you talking to you, I had to tuck my chin into my chest to avoid the blurriness uh, while we were speaking. So what I found was that as he gave me a number of these exercises to perform that it, it was it was excruciatingly slow, but inch by inch, I saw gradual improvement. So I diligently performed those exercises and um, you know, eventually got to the point where when I'm sitting in a in, in my living room in a couch, you know, for seven months, if, if I looked at a picture straight ahead across the wall and tilted my head backwards, as I did so, that picture split into two on me. You know, but again, after seven months of performing these exercises, I finally got to the point where that no longer occurred. It was just um, an hour a day of vision therapy. So that was that was one thing that was extremely helpful. Uh, did your family notice any changes in your personality? Yeah, my wife would tell you that I was much more irritable. Um, and uh, I think along the way, I, I obviously suffered from some uh, from a lot of anxiety and some degree depression as well. Um, you know, so there was a there was a number of months there where it, it was a it was a constant struggle for me on a day to day basis to, um, you know, to perform the normal functions and, and go to work and, and basically be productive. And did you uh, see a, a, a psychologist or therapist? I went to a local university uh, neurology clinic and, um, you know, they, uh, they worked with me, had, had, had a knee, uh, in an MRI and uh, basically told me that there was, they, they found nothing to indicate that there would be any permanent damage or um, there were scattered areas of uh, micro hemorrhaging, basically brain bleeds that, um, uh, you know, I eventually came to understand uh, that that most likely destroyed some existing neural pathways. Um, you know, so uh, the bottom line was seeing the, the, the had them at the neurology clinic was that they said there was really nothing that uh, was going to be uh, any long-term damage, but then there was nothing they could that I could do other than to uh, basically wait it out, rest. What about psychologists? Psychologists, they referred me when they gave me, uh, when at, at some point I went on the medication for anxiety and uh, they, they referred me to a, a psychologist at that time. I met with that individual once and um, you know, you know the, the message I heard from them was basically that they would work with me and um, help me uh, uh, basically accept the new reality. And um, that that didn't sit too well with me at the time because, um, you know, as far as I was concerned, I was going to get back to what I remembered as normal. And uh, I wasn't, you know, maybe they would have been, it might have been more effective had I been a little more open to it. But I, I, the message that, uh, as it was conveyed to me, wasn't the message that I wanted to hear. I, I didn't feel like I needed to learn how to accept the new reality. I probably should have gone through through with it anyway, and I'm sure I would have uh, benefited from doing so, but uh, no, so I really didn't work with a psychologist and gain any benefit. What role did socialization play in your recovery? I guess, you know, I have a theory on that. And uh, to some extent, uh, I think just forcing myself to get back out there and try to function as well as I could at the time in terms of working and uh, interacting with folks um, forced me to basically get on with the, uh, the business of living again. And um, like I, I made reference to the neural pathways that uh, I believe were destroyed 
uh, as a result of the uh, brain bleeds. I, because of neuroplasticity and um, the fact that we can create new neural pathways as a result of our daily experiences, I think that socialism and getting back out there and going to work and starting to work out again and just trying to live as normally as possible uh, facilitated the creation of those new neural pathways. Uh, so from that standpoint, I think that was, um, that was important. Um, what's the biggest one piece of advice that you would have for someone understanding that every head injury is different, of course, but yeah, what's one piece of advice you would have for someone who sustained a traumatic brain injury? Well, um, you know, the, the, the treatment that I received that I think was the, the biggest benefit, although I will say the division therapy I received from the optometrist was extremely beneficial. But um, I think the, the number one uh, biggest treatment I, that I received was uh, when I finally went to go see a, uh, a functional neurologist. I, I really didn't know um, anything about functional neurology until I guess it's just slightly over a year ago. Shortly after my head injury, um, someone suggested I go see uh, a chiropractic neurologist. And uh, I, at the time, I didn't do any research into exactly what it is they do. I remember thinking that, uh, well, I, I have a head injury. Well, what's, what, what on earth can a chiropractor do for me? But um, again, a little over a year ago, uh, that came up again, and um, they were referred to this time as a functional neurologist. And I started to do some investigation into functional neurology and what it is they do, and um, went ahead and set up a, a visit to go down to have an evaluation. And it was a pretty extensive two and a half to three hour evaluation where, um, you know, what, what they do essentially is um, do, a, do some testing on you where they for example, they, they do what the, it's called a VNG. Uh, I'm not going to try to pronounce the, uh, the word because I'll, I'll mess it up, but they put these goggles on you that are connected to a computer. And as you're looking at uh, things on the wall, like the movement of a dot that's jumping from you know, point to point on the wall or moving smoothly, these, they're able to track the movement of your eyes uh, as you do so, or when you're in different head positions, see how your eyes are moving and whether they're moving in concert with one another. In essence, what I, the way I would term it is that the, you know, the eyes in effect are kind of represent a window to the brain for them uh, because it, it gives them an opportunity to, whether, to see whether or not your, um, your sensory uh, processing is integrated and things are working uh, as they're supposed to. You know, they also put me through a number of some balance testing where you stand on a platform and, and, and you're turning and move shifting in different positions and moving your head in, in different ways and with your eyes open or with your eyes closed. And they can measure because of that platform how you're adjusting to those movements uh, with your feet and your weight on, on both of those feet. So all of, all of this testing that they do essentially helps them to identify um, how well your system is working together in terms of your sensory processing and sensory integration. And it, it gives them an, uh, an idea of what parts of your brain aren't, are 
essentially deficient at this time, and they can design a customized program to help you uh, help facilitate the uh, creation of the ne necessary neural pathways to address those issues and jumpstart certain parts of your brain. So now you're a boxing biographer. You've suffered traumatic brain injury. And from the perspective of someone who's now aware of how hyperdelicate the brain is, what piece of advice would you give to young athletes thinking of a boxing career? Honestly, I would say don't do it. <laughs> you know, um, I've got a 15-year-old son, and um, based on my own experiences and what I've learned about the, the brain and, and head injuries, uh, yeah, I would be less than thrilled if he wanted to do anything like boxing and really football. I, I, I'm not too excited about the idea of him playing that sport either. Yeah, well, you know, it's funny how um, back in the day, uh, concussions were not at the forefront the way they are now. And I remember uh, back when I was having my 10 seconds of fame with 26 pro heavyweight fights and was, uh, you know, Roy Firestone would say, how can you justify being a doctor and then getting in the ring? And, and um, I would just say that uh, I didn't mind me getting beat up but I don't recommend it for other people. So it was kind of a, you know, some right. people felt I was being a hypocrite, but you know, it's, uh, it's an individual choice. The problem I think now from my point of view is um, when you have these kids going into Pop Warner, uh, they're really not making that decision in football or in the, uh, you know, silver mittens in boxing and so on. So. Yeah. Uh, I think we have to have a serious discussion somewhere along the way about traumatic brain injury, concussion, CTE, because right now the the discussion has been, you know, very limited. Um, and part of it is because it's uh, big business. Yeah, and I think there's a um, there's a lack of uh, knowledge on the part of um, that vast majority of folks as to, you know, really what it's like to suffer a head injury and, and how, uh, how difficult it really is. I mean, um, like you, I played some little league football, um, as well, but that was, you know, that was a long time, but that's 50 years ago now. And, uh, that was at a time when they had really cheap plastic helmets that were, you know, really poor. And, uh, you know, they taught us where I would, grew up at the time to um, uh, tackle helmet to helmet, especially you know, we had specific drills that we did in practice every day, tackling helmet to helmet. You were supposed to lead with your head. So, um, you know, I, I, I'm sure I've, I, I'm sure I probably suffered some very minor concussions doing that. Cause I can remember walking home with some seriously splitting headaches at times. Um, but, um, you know, in general, I, I had really no clue what a, what a serious head injury was like. I, I mean, I'd heard about people getting concussions, um, but I think until one really experiences it for themselves and, and goes through some of the symptoms that I described uh, at the beginning of our session here that uh, you really have no idea what it's really like. And, and um, you know, I've heard of it referred to as the silent epidemic. And I think that's a, that's a good description. There's, um, you know, you look at people 
when people look at you after you've had a head injury. And uh, like I said, for, you know, for a couple of years, I mean, I, I really knew that uh, while I looked normal to those around me, I was, I was far from it. <laughs> you know, it's, it was not business as usual from my standpoint. The people have expectations that you're fully recovered and uh, they really have no concept of what it's like. How did you get into uh, writing about boxing biographies in your free time? Well, when I was about 32 years old, um, I was uh, going through um, a divorce and uh, I I'd come from a family where my father and my grandfather, you know, they're box, big boxing fans. So I'd been around it all my life. And I'd always had a little bit of curiosity about boxing and wanted to learn how. It seemed like as good a time as any to, to uh, you know, go to the gym and, and, uh, and, and do so. So I started going to a, a gym in the Seattle area uh, right after work four days a week. It gave me an opportunity to blow off steam that, Learn and and learn how to box, which, like I said, I always had an ambition to do. So, um, as a result of that, I mean, uh, I'm sure you know how physical it is and uh, how demanding it the sport is. I I gained a, a much greater respect for the sport, and um, it kind of piqued my curiosity. And somewhere along the line, I decided I wanted to start collecting um, biographies about all the heavyweight champion since 1890 and it just became a uh, an obsession after that <laughs> that I got really carried away uh, when in terms of collecting boxing books it went from every heavyweight champion to every boxing book in the English language and what's your next uh, what's your next boxing project well you know I'd, I'd love to, to write a biography about Bo Jack um, I was I was deep into research uh, for, uh, for doing so, I was probably um, you know, two thirds of the way through my research before beginning to write that story when I fell on my head. And then, uh, then, my, then my research at that point shifted entirely to how to recover from a brain injury. I spent the next uh, two and a half, three years completely uh, obsessed with uh, learning more about the brain and, and what I could do to facilitate my own recovery. How do people find out more about you and your writing? Well, you could Google my name for one. I mean, uh, if you Googled my name, you'd, one of the first sites that would come up, I'm sure, would be my my web, my boxing uh, memorabilia website. But um, you'd also find uh, references to some of the books I've written. And uh, if you if you Googled the title of any of those books and reviews, for example, um, I know you'd find a number of those. You could go on Amazon, of course. Uh, people routinely review books on Amazon all the time. So I know if you pulled up the Sam Langford book uh, by my name in, in Amazon, there's 35, 36 reviews there. They could read about that particular book. And what is your website? Prizefightingbooks.com. Boxing books wasn't available at the time. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Is there... Um... Any particular message you would like to share with our differentbrains.org audience that we haven't covered? You know, um, I, I guess the biggest um, message or suggestion I would have in terms of uh, suffering a brain injury, a head injury, is that um, there, there's a 
I mean, I mean, a tremendous amount of information available to us online these days. Uh, it's all at our fingertips. And um, I, I would encourage folks to get out there and get multiple opinions. Had I, Like I said, had I just gone to this local university neurology clinic and just followed their instructions, I, I would just be waiting and waiting. I would just, you know, their, their only recommendation was rest and give it more time. Um, there's some of the, the most beneficial things that I did to uh, facilitate my own recovery were things that um, you, you, I never heard about from a, a neurologist or a doc, my doctor. Um, you know, things like functional neurology, uh, brainwave optimization, which we didn't talk about. Uh, those things, those were things that I learned about online or through um, uh, talking to other individuals who successfully uh, recovered from their own head injuries. Um, books. Well, that's great advice. And I used to uh, encourage my patients. Um, and when I was practicing and as an orthopedic surgeon, and I still encourage people now to uh, Good online, learn as much as you can. It doesn't mean it's gonna make you a doctor, but knowledge is a tool and you can get lots of knowledge right there online, as you say, and uh, you should arm yourself with that knowledge. And well, that's there, more there obviously, to doctors, you know. Right, yeah, there's obviously uh, a, a lot of um, great websites online too. I mean, like your own, uh, differentbrains.org. Um, there's, there's numerous others that are available as well. Um, on, on YouTube, um, I know that there's, uh, I think there's an individual called, they call themselves the TBI coach. Um, I can't remember her, her name, but I believe her first name is Natalie. In any case, I mean, she's got some outstanding uh, videos in which she uh, details her own experiences. And for example, um, goes into detail about the six most beneficial things that uh, aided her in her recovery. So, I mean, like I say, if you go on and a site like YouTube and input traumatic brain injury, I mean, you're going to be just amazed at how much material there is available online. Well, that's great advice. Clay Moyle, it's been a pleasure to speak with you today. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk about traumatic brain injury and your experience and give our audience some tools. And uh, it's been a great pleasure. Thank you very much. Thank you. I enjoyed it very much, Aki. Exploring Different Brains is a production of Different Brains, Inc. For more information, visit us at differentbrains.org.